everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Big Picture series of conversations with Iron Pillar. I am Mohanjeet Jolly, one of the co-founders and partners at Iron Pillar, and it's my pleasure, privilege, honor to welcome a dear friend and a prolific uh, technology executive, Lars Nielsen. Um, and he has been associated with multiple companies, taking them from the relative seedlings all the way to and through IPO. And, and I think this is going to be a fun, uh, free-flowing, candid conversation. So welcome to the show, Lars. Appreciate that, Mohanjit. I've been excited about this one for the last month, so I can't wait to get started. Awesome. Awesome. So let's, let's dive right in. I mean, you know, you've been associated with some uh, incredible companies, and uh, just take us through your career, your journey, and especially focusing on, I guess, the transitions. I still look back at when I graduated from college, and my first job was with Xerox Corporation. This was in the late 80s. And they took young, earlier in their career, men and women, and put them through a rigorous sales and management training program. Uh, it was an 11-month, imagine that, an onboarding wow. uh, ramp and training period for 11 months. And again, they taught us how to negotiate, how to close, how to present, how to handle objections in different classes and different training centers around the country. And... You know, today I am doing that for people coming right out of college into my SDR teams at Snowflake. And so I look back at that and realize how important it is to invest. And, you know, people that I get out of college don't have bad habits today. So I can take them and kind of mold them and show them what really, really good looks like and um, bring them into, you know, an engine. Um, and begin to get them to do their thing. So I spent five years selling copiers, uh, fax machines and typewriters for Xerox. And uh, that eventually led to me coming up here to the Silicon Valley, San Francisco area in the mid 90s. And that's right when Netscape went public and you know the dot-com uh, boom was on. And uh, it was just kind of simple, stupid, crazy luck that I got lured into a small company seed stage called Portal Software huh. in 1997. We had a meteoric rise and we went public uh, on you know less than 25 million in revenues and became a multi-billion dollar you know, uh, company. Uh, and then it all came crashing down. And you know the answer to your question and all the transitions and kind of what happened, um, the company had reached about 2,000 employees, and when it, it blew apart, all of the executives kind of scattered to the wind, as you do when you're in the Valley, and you end up at other companies. Mm. And what I'll never forget, and this was, you know, Portal was my first entry into, uh, you know, enterprise class software, venture-backed, B2B, uh, wasn't SaaS then, but what is today SaaS, and all 15 of the different executives that ended up in different places, I got a call from them. And they wow. said, they all said the same thing, Mohanjit. They're like, Lars, you know, that pipeline that you built with your inside sales team, we need that here. And I just remember realizing, huh, pipeline, it makes sense. It's the air that any startup breathes and they just need more of it to create predictability in the revenue cycle. And so I realized I was onto something and, um, you know, I was building the sales development teams and the high velocity inside sales teams. 
and I started putting process and technology to it. And, you know, my subsequent moves from the, in the Valley to different seed stage startups were all based on my expertise in building the demand gen function. And as startups get funded and they start to have success with, uh, you know, getting new logos in the door, Hmm. pretty quickly, you have to start understanding your personas on the buying side, your personas on the account side. So you can go after those lookalikes and you can tailor uh, your messaging and your content and your brand to those people and to those companies um, and rinse and repeat. I, if I remember correctly, ArcSight, um, Cloudera, now Snowflake, I think Riverbed might have been there as well. Yep. Was it, I mean, is it truly rinse and repeat? Were you selling to or through the same set of um, customers and partners wherever you went? So you've basically built on top of a foundation you had established, uh, you know, really at Portal to, to, to begin with. Yes, I would say, I mean, I remember my boss, uh, my manager at Portal, his name was Bernie Scamra, and he looked at me in 1997 and he said, Lars, I need you to build a team that will allow my reps to sell, negotiate, and close. In other words, I don't want them prospecting. I pay them too much. It's too hard. It takes too much time. And uh, there's just a bunch of dead time and wasted energy. And I didn't really understand. I just did what he told me to do. And, you know, I, you know, that's 24 years ago. uh, And that was a team dedicated to outbound. Um, Back then, every team that was doing any, you know, lead gen was called telemarketing. And they were really just ingesting inbound leads and qualifying them. Um, I don't know who built the very first outbound SDR team, but I know that the team we built at Portal was, you know, know, right there up in the beginning. Uh, Certainly, Salesforce had not been founded yet. Oracle was on the scene and they had hundreds of inside reps doing lots of different things. But um, I've been iterating on that outbound model for 24 years. And so from Portal to Riverbed to ArcSight to Cloudera to Snowflake, it's generally the same playbook, Mohanji. It is uh, understanding the personas that you want to go after. Um, If you're a founder and you are looking to get your product, your solution, your, uh, you know, this beautiful thing that you're coding or that you're putting together, you have to write about it. You have to get it out on the airwaves. You have to have explainer videos that can be tripped over when people are looking. Yeah. Or, uh, and as people look and they learn something new, they're sharing and they're liking and all of that, the, you know, that's all engagement. And, and the beautiful thing with the technology we have today is that can all be captured and it can all be sent mm. to an SDR team to go and do some research. One of the you know, conversations, uh, especially in the, in the venture business we keep having is, you know, how much is AI actually going to replace, let's say, humans in, in certain fields or tasks and so on? Obviously, a lot of the mundane work um, is, is, is going to go by the wayside, perhaps. But when it comes to selling, right, when it comes to the sort of human emotional interaction, at least my gut says, you know, the art of selling is not going to be displaced or obsolesced by, by code. Um, I just, I just want to get your knee jerk reaction to that statement. And are you, are you, um, 
you know, uh, are you in agreement with that? Or do you think uh, that, that it will continue to sort of chisel away at it? No, I am in agreement. And I think you need and want both. You want automation, you want science, you want technology to help accelerate and to help you uh, with uh, more human error prone uh, uh, motions. But I think at the end of the day, if you're selling something that um, you know is uh, in the mid five figures and above, mm. someone's gonna have to be responsible for that decision. And what I also believe is there are people, people who make technology decisions, they're proud of them. Mm. And uh, if they're doing the right things for the company and bringing in technology that is you know, allowing them to move forward and leapfrog, that makes them feel good. It's like their career needle is gonna move. Correct. And as a seller, we always talk about we need to find the people whose careers might move if they're the ones involved in the sales process that we're going to bring them down. And those are the best champions. Yeah, I can look back at the sales cycle that I had with um, uh, Manny Medina, the CEO of Outreach. And yeah. he got to me at Cloudera very, very early. And I remember getting my hands on this technology, knowing that it was going to revolutionize the way my SDR team was going to work. Hmm. And uh, I didn't want any, uh, you know, I filled a team of people, but I wanted to be involved because I was proud of right. what this technology was going to mean to me and my team and the larger, you know, Cloudera organization. And, uh, you know, the really cool story we have from that is, you know, we created and, and named a best practice called account-based sales development that was on all built on the top of, you know, outreach combined with lean data, combined with LinkedIn Sales Navigator. And the, that's the three-legged stool that allowed Cloudera to generate the pipeline that created the predictability in the business uh, that led to the growth that fueled the IPO. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. I mean, you know, I often say that, that, we are in the people business, okay? And, uh, you know, the best of times and the worst of times I've had throughout my career because of people, right? Just uh, uh, hiring the wrong uh, folks or partnering with the wrong folks or the right folks. It could lead to, you know, delight or frustration. Um, so when, and, and, and most of the, the entrepreneurs that we end up working with are typically technologists first, right? And, and, the, the sales or business acumen is something they may or may not have learned along the way. So sales and sales execution is often something that they, um, you know, it doesn't come naturally to them. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask a couple of questions, which is, which are, uh, you know, let's say when you are recruiting and I'm going to put you as a proxy for our entrepreneurs, when you're recruiting at Snowflake or any of your previous successes, you know, what are the kind of questions you ask today or you asked over the years to, to figure out, is this individual the right person for you to bring into the SDR organization? I mean, are there, I mean, there's some raw talent where you're going to help mold them and, and, and make them, no. you know, into, into um, uh, you know, execution-oriented uh, SDR, hopefully executives in the future. But I'm just curious, um, you know, what do you look for and what should, you know, entrepreneurs, especially in their initial SDR hires, what kind of questions they, should they be asking? 
I look for what I'll what I call fire in the belly. A lot of other people call that grit. I'll mm-hmm. go into that in in a second. Uh, but the the one and only thing that I look for, and in every interview that I conduct, I ask three very specific questions and I put a time limit to them. Hmm. I don't want to be the one doing all the talking. I want them to do the talking because they're going to be the ones that are talking on the phones. And so I give them a very specific, I'll tell them, take me through your LinkedIn profile or resume. I want you to spend seven minutes and I want you to go through each of the, and again, someone that's coming right out of college has maybe two, three or four very short, whether they're internships, maybe a job or two. I just want to hear them talk. Hmm. I want to hear them tell a story. Does it make sense? Is it crisp? Is it a bunch of ahs and ands and like? And um, I can tell if there's maturity in a 21, 22, 23 year old, if they are beyond their years, Hmm. if they are succinct and they get to the point and they tell a story. That to me um, says, says way more than actually what they did uh, during their summers and and what have you. You're a self-motivated, self-starter individual, and I'm not going to necessarily have to micromanage you. A corollary to that uh, question is the timing. So in our case, we invest sort of post-product market fit. Companies have gotten to a few million in ARR uh, typically. But is there a mistake that perhaps entrepreneurs make where they hire too early? Uh, is, there, is there a sort of a critical mass in terms of customer adoption, some feedback, revenue, et cetera, which you think is the right time to really be thinking about you know, full-blown sort of SDR organization, the lead gen mechanism, and, and turning that into a machine, uh, really, at that point? Yeah, and uh, I sent you that article I wrote for Jason and Saster a couple of weeks ago, and that answers this question. So feel free to share that with your listeners or your readers. I will. Um, uh, and I do. I think the biggest mistake an early stage founder will make who is not, you know, didn't grow up a salesman and, you know, they're more design, engineering, product oriented is they hire a sales leader, a VP of sales too early. Um, in my opinion, if you're a VP level salesperson, Hmm. you haven't rolled up your sleeves and, uh, you know, been in the, you know, in the operation for, for, for years, uh, it might even be decades, uh, that's what it takes to get to that level. Um, in this piece, I prescribe that the very first revenue, hundred percent revenue facing hire should be someone who, it could be like a product marketing person who uh, understands the importance of getting out assets and uh, a brand and and messaging. Yeah. Because again, if we go back to what we started and educating and inspiring people to want to learn more, the only place you do that these days is through words, through audio, and through video, right? So you need to produce assets that tell these stories. When I wrote that piece uh, around ABSD, I had no idea uh, that it would go viral and it would go to all these places. And I started getting asked, um, and I didn't even want to, but it just, when you start writing and you start producing and you start putting out into the world, the value that you're bringing and the problems that it's solving, 
Mm. You start to generate these return on investment stories. I'm actually just going to bucketize this and and um, take it to all our portfolio companies. Clearly, this is uh, remarkable stuff. Mm-hmm.